Welcome to National Community Church. It's a joy to uh, have you at each of our six locations. Now, I wish I could tell you that I'm just trying to talk like the Holy Spirit <laughs> in a still small voice, but uh, I've got a little cold that went to my throat. But uh, if you're okay listening, I'm okay talking. And uh, so here we go. Judges chapter 3, verse 31. I'll give you a moment to turn there. We're going to look at one verse, but uh, it's one verse that speaks volumes. Uh, last year, I was on a transatlantic flight from Ethiopia to D.C., and I got tired of reading around the rock of Gibraltar. And so there was a movie playing called We Bought a Zoo, based on a true story. Matt Damon plays the role of British writer Benjamin Mee, who rescues a failing zoo while coming to terms with his life as a widow and as a single father. And one of the lines from this movie is absolutely unforgettable to me. It's now one of my favorite movie lines along with, Drago! <laughs> that came out okay. Um, he says, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. I love that line. Uh, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Now, that's not just a great line from a well-written screenplay, okay? It can change the plot line of your life. 20 seconds of insane courage. Uh, that's all it takes. And with that as a backdrop, Judges chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He delivered Israel. Two sentences. It's all the print that Shamgar gets in scripture. But this one little byline tells me everything that I need to know about Shamgar. One daring decision and one farming implement is... Uh, all that's needed for the deliverance of an entire nation. Now, Israel was in a state of spiritual anarchy and political tyranny. Uh, they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And as a result, they find themselves enslaved by the Philistines who rule through fear and intimidation. But one man got tired of being intimidated and decided, I'm going to disrupt the status quo. Enough is enough, and he does it with an ox goad. Now, next to David, in my estimation, Shamgar has to rank as one of history's most improbable heroes. Uh, just like this shepherd turned king, this farmer turned warrior transforms a tool of his trade, an ox goad, into a weapon. Of war. Now, I don't think that David had any idea when he was tending his sheep that a slingshot and his skill with it would be the thing that would catapult him into the national limelight and ultimately help him assume the throne of Israel in much the same way as Shamgar was uh, plowing the fields with his oxen. I don't think that he knew that this ox goat would be something that God would use as an instrument of deliverance. Here, here are the facts. Shamgar had no army no alliance, and no artillery. 
all he had was in ox code a long stick used by farmers to prod their animals. What he, but he did not let what he did not have keep him from using what he had to make a difference. And we'll come back to that. So Shamgar grabbed his ox code and charged the enemy armies. Make an observation. Courage doesn't wait for situational factors to come into your favor. It doesn't wait for opinion polls to swing. It doesn't wait until a plan is perfectly formed. It doesn't wait until the tide of momentum is turned. Courage only waits for one thing, a green light from God. And when you get a green light from God, then you go for it. You don't have to have everything all figured out. You don't have to have it all plotted out. When you get a green light from God, you go for it. Evidently, Shamgar got a green light from God. And he went for it. And he changed history because of it. Two years ago, during our Voices series, we had a guest speaker named Bob Goff. Uh, Bob has become a friend of mine and a friend of ours. And he's written an incredible little book called Love Does. And uh, we had dinner with Bob the night that he spoke. And it ranks as probably one of the more memorable dinners that, uh, that I've had. Not, not because of the food, but because of the conversation. I don't even think we were to the main meal yet, okay? I think it was appetizers. And Bob says... Um, you guys should take over a country. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. And then he got a big Bob Goss smile on his face and said, why not? Now, side note, I think there are two kinds of people in the world. Uh, there are why people and why not people. Why people look for excuses. I mean, why should we do this or why should we do that? And what if it doesn't work? Why not people look for opportunities? What if we did this? Or what if we did that? One more side note. One of my favorite why not people in the Bible is the Ethiopian eunuch. This is so cool. At our all-in celebration, I think we have um, somewhere between 35 and 40 people who are being baptized. Um, and, and it's going to be an awesome celebration um, but this is probably one of my favorite baptisms because there's this incredible divine appointment where Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch meet and uh, it says in Acts 8.36, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Not why should I? Wasn't looking for an excuse, was looking for an opportunity. And he saw one. He said, why not? Listen, if you're looking for an excuse, you will always find one. If you're looking for an opportunity, you will always find one. The, the question really is, what are you looking for? Are you looking for excuses or are you looking for opportunities? Back to Bob. Now, you need to know that Bob Goff is a little crazy. And I would say it if he was here. Uh, anybody that puts their cell phone number in the back of their book and tells people to call him is a little off. Um, his office is on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. Okay, enough said. Um, 
But what I love um, about Bob is he has this faith that's contagious. And so he says this, why don't you take over a, a country? And after what's happened to Bob, why wouldn't he say that? Because Bob is the uh, consul for the Republic of Uganda to the United States. And he's a U.S. citizen. Go figure. I don't have time to get into all the details, but um, much of Bob's work is um, fighting for those who cannot fight for themselves. Now, in Uganda, every year, witch doctors kill hundreds of children as ritual sacrifices. And a little boy named Charlie was supposed to be one of them. But despite being brutally disfigured, he managed to escape uh, with his life. And Bob prosecuted and got the very first conviction against a witch doctor in the history of the country. He also became friends with Charlie. He flew Charlie to the U.S. where he was able to arrange um, surgery uh, to, to help with the disfiguration, secured a scholarship so that when Charlie's ready to go to college and education is waiting for him. And uh, a few weeks ago, hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, and I know that because a friend of mine led that hike and someone from our church went on that hike. Well, it was during a panel discussion uh, that I met Bob um, at the National Prayer Breakfast here in D.C. up at the Hilton Hotel. And I'll never forget him saying something that, that has become a personal mantra of mine. And, and I don't remember all of the context, but there are all these very intelligent people giving very intelligent answers. <laughs> and then Bob spoke up. <laughs> And he said something to the effect, we need to pick a fight. And the adrenaline started rushing through my veins. I was like, I like this guy. I think he said, like, why does the enemy have all the fun? We need to pick a fight with the enemy and go on the offensive. Well, that single statement stirred something within uh, my soul. And, and, the more I think about it, isn't that what Shamgar did? He picked a fight with the Philistines. At some point, he just got tired of being intimidated, got tired of unrighteous rule and said, I'm going to pick a fight and make a difference. Now, we aren't given much in terms of the circumstantial evidence. We, we don't know exactly how this went down, but I think it's a pretty good exegetical interpretation to say that he, he picked a fight with the Philistines and he single-handedly delivered Israel. And so the question this weekend is, how do we pick a fight? Now listen, you know, and I, but I better say this if you're new to NCC. We're, we're a church that wants to be more known for what we're for than what we're against. We believe in criticizing by creating. Anybody can, can take pot shots at anybody else. You know what? I, I'd rather make a difference by doing something right, by loving people, serving people. And so you need to understand my heartbeat because when you, when you use the, the phrase pick a fight, it can be misinterpreted. But I, I do remember one occasion where Jesus walked into the temple and turned some tables over. 
He knew how to get under their skin. He could have healed on any day of the week, but why don't we do it on the Sabbath? Because it'd be a lot more fun. <laughs> he was picking a fight with the Pharisees. He, he knew how, how to pick his places. And so the question is, how do we pick a fight? And what, what fight does God want us to pick? Because you know what? I know that all of us have one thing in common, despite all of our different personalities and all of our different experiences. You want to make a difference. I know you do. Um, now, so many people, it's obvious. It's why they moved to Washington, D.C. But I don't care wh whether you're... Um, working in an inner city school or working up on Capitol Hill or, or you're, you're in some branch of the military, you want to make a difference. God has wired us that way. And the question is, how do we do that? How, how do we pick a fight um, when we think about God's kingdom? Well, let, let, me, uh, let me start here. I think it starts when you hit your knees. You want to pick a fight with, an, with the enemy. You start praying. Um, praying is, is spiritual warfare, and that's where the battle is won or lost. Now, I believe that prayer is the difference between you fighting for God and God fighting for you. And so this is where it gets pretty exciting, because when you hit your knees, God st starts fighting battles on your behalf. But listen, you can't just hit your knees. Then you've got to stand up. You've got to take a stand. You've got to take a step. Um, you're not just called to hit your knees. You're called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. By the way, here's the rest of Bob's story. After getting the conviction against that witch doctor, Bob visited him in prison. That witch doctor gave his life to Jesus Christ and is now preaching the gospel to other prisoners. See, that's what happens you pick a fight with the enemy and, and you know what? All bets are off. Then you begin to see what God can do. Now let me bring it a little bit closer to home. Because I don't think we have anybody at NCC named Shamgar. <laughs> and I don't know if we have anybody as crazy as Bob Goff. Okay, but, but we've got some Shamgars in our midst. Um, a number of years ago, Pastor Joel led our first mission trip to Thailand to work with a ministry called The Well. Now, The Well rescues women out of sex trafficking, and, and an NCCer named Corey Whitman was a part of that team. During the trip, Corey prayed a dangerous prayer. She, she said, Lord, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Well, one conversation with a Thai farm girl who ended up in Bangkok's red light district because the circumstances out of her control did just that. Corey came back to the U.S., but she left her heart in Thailand. She decided to quit her job on Capitol Hill and moved to Thailand as a full-time missionary. Now, that's 20 seconds of insane courage right there. That's what it looks like. She started working the night shift in the red light district of Bangkok, ministering to women who were trapped by the sex trade. But she's now uh, trying to stop the problem before it starts by piloting a program for teens in rural Thailand. This 20, uh, single 20-something 20 is mentoring, really mothering 17 girls. Now, Corey shared some of her doubts and dreams in one of my all-time favorite blog posts. It's titled, A Little Crazy Goes a Long Way. 
here's what she shared. Can I really be an adequate interim parent for teenagers abandoned by their mom until God provides more permanent foster parents? And, and what's no, what you'll notice about this is these are dreams and doubts kind of in the same breath. Um, will God heal a faithful and faith-filled couple that just discovered they are HIV positive and protect their unborn baby from the disease? Will my friend reach his goal of staying clean from meth for an entire year and grow as a committed husband and father? Will God build a movement to create real change in rural communities to stop this cycle of family and community brokenness that so often leads to participation in the sex industry? And then I love Corey's answer to her own questions. She said, I'm beginning to realize a little crazy goes a long way when you're talking kingdom crazy. Some of my questions won't be answered for months or years, but I'm standing on God's promise that he's able to do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine. Sometimes my faith falters and feelings of inadequacy and loneliness and smallness cloud my vision and I get overwhelmed at the task at hand. But when I put my faith glasses on, all things are possible. You know what, Corey didn't ask why. She asked why not. She wasn't looking for an excuse. If she was, she could have found plenty of reasons to stay right where she was and do what she was doing. Corey was looking for opportunities, and opportunities come disguised as problems. And while many people run away from problems, shamgars run at them with their ox goad. And that's what Corey's done. Now, back to Shamgar. Shamgar uh, may have been the least qualified person to deliver Israel. Um, for starters, pretty sure he wasn't even Jewish. His name is Hurrian in origin. He could have rationalized inaction in a dozen different ways. I don't have the right weapon. I can't do this by myself. These aren't even my people. See, if you're looking for an excuse, you're going to find one. If you don't, you won't. And Shamgar was not looking for an excuse. Corey wasn't looking for an excuse either. What are you looking for? Are you looking for an excuse or are you looking for an opportunity? When God stirs your spirit or breaks your heart, you need to pay careful attention. You need to pick a fight. You need to grab your ox goad and go for it. You know what? Is Corey going to change the country of Thailand? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think there's an opportunity that she might just change the lives of these seven girls that she's mentoring and mothering. And that's what the Lord has called her to. Listen, very few people are going to deliver an entire nation like Shamgar did. But that isn't what God's called us to. He's called us to be obedient uh, to what he's called us to do. We've been talking about what it means to go all in. But, but really this weekend it's about what does it mean to go all out? What does that look like? Well, I'd say, you know, taking on 600 Philistines single-handedly could, could qualify 
as all out. I would say moving to Thailand qualifies as going all out. It's about attacking problems with whatever ox goad God has given you. Um, It's an all out assault on the forces of darkness by being salt and light. It's about more than pointing out problems. It's about being a part of the solution. It's about not just having a heart for Christ, but being the hands and feet of Christ. You know what? A little crazy goes a long way. Now I have one last thought and a story and we're done. Don't let what you cannot do keep you from doing what you can. That's it. Because that's what happens. Most of us let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. A few years ago, researchers at Carnegie Mellon University devised a study to discover why people respond to the needs of others. Well, they were given an envelope and a charity request letter from, uh, from Save the Children. The researchers, and this is pretty fascinating if you can stick with me for two minutes, tested two versions of a request letter. The first version featured lots of statistics about the magnitude of the problems facing children in Africa. The second letter spotlighted the needs of just one seven-year-old girl named Rokia. On average, the participants who read the statistical letter contributed $1.14. The people who read about Rokia gave $2.38 or more than twice as much. Now, the smaller donation in response to the statistical letter were the result of something that psychologists call the drop in the bucket effect. If we feel overwhelmed by the scale of the problem, we don't even do anything about it because we don't think we can make a difference. So statistics about massive suffering in Africa can actually make us less charitable because we get so overwhelmed that we feel like, what difference can I make? I mean, what's interesting is the researchers came to this conclusion. They said that the mere act of of calculation reduces compassion. I I don't think it starts here. (laughs) I think it's about letting God get a hold of your heart. And when God begins to get a hold of your heart, then you just want to make a difference. You you don't let what you cannot do keep you from doing what you can. Now let me bring it closer to home. This weekend is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. It's so easy for us to turn a blind eye to the rest of the world and complain about our first world problems. But we're not going to let that happen on our watch. You need to mark your calendar for A18 Voices next Friday, November 8th. You need to be there along with all of the different voices that are going to speak. We're going to show you a short little documentary that it's an eye opener. Do you know that there are far more people being martyred for their faith right now than there were during the Roman persecution under Nero. Let me share one of those stories. And then I want to share about how someone in our congregation is a part of the solution. On December 22nd, just a few days before Christmas, 2011, a 14-year-old girl named Deborah Wakai Peter heard a knock on the door of her home in northern Nigeria. Her father was the local pastor of that village. 
That night, some Islamic militants dragged her father outside their home, and this 14-year-old girl watched them shoot her dad in cold blood. Then they shot her brother Caleb, who was 13, because he tried to stop them. All they said was, why turn to Christianity? And they said it over and over and over again. Well, Deborah tried to escape, but they tied her between the dead bodies of her dad and brother. And she spent the most horrific night of her life until rescuers showed up the next day. Now, Emmanuel Ogebe is from Nigeria. He's an attorney. He's a religious freedom advocate. And he and his family are part of National Community Church, part of our Kingstown campus. Emmanuel heard about Deborah before one of his trips to Nigeria. And he asked our Kingstown campus to pray. I want to let him share what happened in his own words, and I'll read it. Said so the day before my trip, Pastor Josh brought me up for prayer at church. He said, I mentioned that I needed clothes donations for the orphanage where Deborah was. Well, here's what happened. It turns out that there was a family who came to church that day with their kids' clothes in the trunk of their car. And it was right there in the parking lot. That same day, someone in the church donated money to help cover Deborah's travel and support the orphanage. But she was denied a visa twice by the U.S. Embassy in Nigeria. Coincidentally, the consul general of the American consulate asked for a meeting with the pastor leading Nigeria's Christian Association. I was invited to that meeting and brought up Debbie's case. We also had a congressman writing a letter on her behalf. She was then granted a visa to attend a child survivor trauma camp here in the U.S. The day before she was to return to Nigeria, Pastor Josh brought Debbie up to thank the Kingstown campus for their prayers and support. After the service, a couple told us to contact a Christian school and apply for admission on her behalf. We did. Bottom line, she got admission to the mission boarding school, but she was back in Nigeria with no visa. So a family in our church stepped up, signed an affidavit to support uh, her, to sponsor her visa back to the U.S. Debbie reapplied and was granted a student visa. She came back to the U.S. with me last month, and her new host family took her to a school in southern Virginia two weeks ago. Just in case you want to know who her new family is, it's the same people who had clothes in their trunk in the parking lot the day we prayed. I love this because they're just ordinary people. In fact, he shared about how they had written in their prayer journals that, that the Lord, they just felt like the Lord wanted them to somehow, some way, um, that, that the children of Africa, it was their passion. And, and all they did was just take whatever ox code they have. 
and make a difference. Now listen to me. Religious persecution is such a daunting thing that, that it feels like we can't do anything about it. But I'm so challenged by what Emmanuel shared with me this week. He said he went to visit a member of Congress recently to discuss the problem. And the congressman pushed back. And here's what he said. He said, the great travesty is not the failure of the American government to respond to this. But the non-response of the body of Christ. I thought to myself, what an indictment. We can't blame anybody else. We've got to look in the mirror. We're the sham guards. We're the one with the ox code. We're the one who needs to pick the fight and make the difference. More Christians are, were killed in Nigeria last year than the rest of the world combined. Most of them didn't have the kind of intervention or ending that Deborah's had. Now, can we save them all? No. But can we save some of them? I would like to think that we could. This year, one of our 27 missions trips will be to northern Nigeria, led by Emmanuel Ogebe and Pastor Josh. Why? Because we're not going to let what we cannot do keep us from doing what we can. We might not be able to end religious persecution. We... We might not be able to foster every child in the foster care system in D.C. But we can make a difference. We can do something. You know what? We just need to grab our ox code and go for it. You know, it, it, and it's not anything huge. It might be a trunk full of clothes that, that creates this domino effect. It might be a sponsoring a child through Compassion International. It might be just serving in a ministry and you touch someone's life who touches someone else's life who touches someone else's life. It might be teaching English to teenage girls in Thailand. It might be fostering or adopting a child. It might just be going on one of our missions trips. I don't know what it, what it is for you, but I do know this. You can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if you're sitting on your butt. And so we have Shamgar, someone who set a precedent, who set an example. You know what? I may not be the most qualified person for the job. I might not even have the education or the training or even the right implement. And that brings me to my definition of success. I have a few, but this is one of them. Do the best you can with what you have where you are. That's it. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on wealth or power or platform. It's not based on past experience or future potential. It's simply stewarding every opportunity in every way, every day, every second of time, every penny of money, every ounce of energy. Do the best you can with what you have, where you are. I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. You don't need to change jobs. Uh, you don't need to change friends. You don't need to change spouses. You don't need to change circumstances. Do the best you can with what you have where you are. Simply put, don't let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can. And if we all do that, you know what? Then we're going to rise up as the church of Jesus Christ. 
And we're going to turn this city upside down. And we're going to turn countries upside down. Is it going to happen today? Might not. It's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know. But, but we're not in the ASAP as soon as possible game. We're in the ALAT as long as it takes game. We're going to see God's kingdom come and, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The good news is this. We're already victorious. Jesus won over sin and death. But we've got to step into that victory. And we've got to go all in and all out for the all in all. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Help us not to be hearers of your word, but to be doers of it. God, help us not just to hear a message and be temporarily inspired by it. I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would prick our hearts There's a Deborah in our lives that we can make a difference. God, there there is, if we just said, like Corey said, break break our hearts for the things that break your heart. If we just had the courage to then pick a fight. God, the things that you could do in us and through us. God, help us not to, to let what we can't do keep us from doing what we can God, help us to realize that we're a body, we're a family, we're a church. And that means that you haven't called one of us to do everything. You've called all of us to do something. And when all of us collectively do something, oh God, then your church rises up and becomes exactly what you've called us to be change agents here on this planet. Lord, help us understand that faithfulness is not holding the fort. Faithfulness is advancing the kingdom of God. Lord, we acknowledge that you are not going to say well thought or well said or well planned. There's only one combination. Well done, good and faithful servant. Help, help that be us. Help that be me. God, speak to each one of us. And help each one of us to hit our knees and then take a stand. And then take a step. And do the best we can with what we have. Where we are. In Jesus name. Amen.